Hello, welcome to St. Pete's Online. My name is Preston. It's great to have you with us here today to worship again together. Will you pray with me to begin? Dear Lord, we come to you today with thanks. We give you all the thanks for your goodness in our lives. We thank you for the gospel of John, for the words that he wrote down for us, and for the glimpse that he gives us into what life looks like when we live closely with you. I pray that you'll open our ears today and our hearts to hear your words and to reveal, uh, will you reveal to us who you are, Jesus? In your holy name we pray. Amen. Well, who is Jesus? This is a question people have been asking for a very long time. Starting from Jesus' earliest days, people were wondering who he was. The teachers and the rabbis in Jerusalem and the temple. Who is Jesus, this 12-year-old boy who is peppering us with questions about God's word? People throughout the Galilean countryside asked, Who is Jesus, this teacher, doing miraculous things and teaching like no one we've ever heard before? The centurion watching him die. Who is Jesus, this man I just crucified, who seems to be innocent on all accounts? We're asking this question again because it is the question that determines whether or not Christianity has any credibility, whether or not our hope has any content in it at all. We're asking this question again because it is the most important question. For those of you like me who have given your lives to following this Jesus, and for those of you who aren't so sure, but are curious to know more about this man who changed human history. Who is he? Today we return to the Gospel of John and continue to consider the claims Jesus made about himself in this Gospel. Because the best place to start is listening to what Jesus said about himself. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The door, the good shepherd, the vine, the great I am, and the bread of life. Each one of these statements tells us something unique about Jesus. And today we're going to the sixth chapter of John and we're talking about bread, the bread of life. This is what Jesus says. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not thirst. I want to explore two questions about this passage today. First, simply, what does Jesus mean, I am the bread of life? What does this tell us about him? And second, what happens when he speaks these words? Our main idea is this. Jesus sustains all who come to him unto eternal life. So first, let's look at Jesus' words. What is the bread of life all about? What does he mean? Unsurprisingly, this statement comes to us in the middle of a larger conversation. And the conversation Jesus is having is all about bread. Everyone in Galilee was talking about bread this day because Jesus had just recently done something pretty miraculous with bread. He had fed 5,000 people in the Galilean hills with a few barley loaves and two fish. This sign happens at the beginning of chapter 6, and it creates the context for Jesus' words. 
and all of the buzz around Jesus' multiplication of the loaves, there was also a lot of confusion. There was a gap in understanding between what Jesus intended to signify with the loaves and what people saw and clung to from their free lunch. It's sort of like when a preacher tells a phenomenal story in her sermon and you go home thinking, wow, what a great sermon. I love that story she told. And maybe your friend says, well, what, what was the point of it? What was, this, what was the topic of the sermon? And you have no idea, but you remember the great story. A great story, totally disconnected from the topic. This is sort of what happens to Jesus. Everyone remembered the free lunch. You can't blame them, can't you? I would too if I had food miraculously given to me. But they didn't quite get that it was a sign that pointed to something else. Jesus tries to clear up the confusion for them and for us in the following conversation. He distinguishes two types of bread and two types of life. Two types of bread. There's physical bread made from flour, salt, and water mixed together and baked in an oven. People have been making this kind of bread for thousands and thousands of years. This is the sort of bread Jesus fed everyone on the Galilean mountain. Physical bread that sustains physical life. The Greek word for this kind of life, that life that every plant has, that every animal has, the life that is in our lungs right now, is bios, bios life. The life you learn about in biology class, natural life. But when Jesus multiplied the barley loaves and fish on a Galilean mountainside and fed all the people until they were full and they even had plenty of leftovers to take home with them the next day, he did so as a sign to point to a different kind of bread and a different kind of life. The overflowing abundance of loaves pointed to the overflowing abundance of what Jesus was really offering, living bread that nourishes eternal life. And he wanted everyone to know that there was plenty of this living bread to go around for everyone. But the people didn't get it. They didn't catch the significance. See how the crowds respond to the free lunch. Let's look at verses 14 and 15 together. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. They tried to make him a king, but Jesus had none of it. He withdraws alone to be by himself. Why? Because he knows that they are focused on the wrong kind of bread and the wrong kind of life. They were looking for a political Messiah to come and restore the politi political rule of Israel. Surely Jesus, who just miraculously multiplied bread to feed thousands, is the perfect person to lead a revolution. This makes sense, except that Jesus wasn't a political revolutionary. He refused to be. He wasn't then, and he isn't now. Jesus did care deeply about natural, bios life. He is the first to feed the hungry, 
and to heal the sick. He weeps at the grave of Lazarus, his friend, remember? But his primary concern isn't about our physical well-being, but it's about the state of our souls. Look at verses 26 and 27 in chapter 6. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, they didn't get the sign, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that will endure to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Jesus calls out their mistake. You're following me around because of the loaves you ate. Stop focusing on the loaves. Seek the food that endures to eternal life. Many people fall into this category even today. Why can't Jesus simply be the wise teacher that teaches us how to live this life with strong ethical virtues and humanitarian concern? That would be great. He'd be much more popular, I think. But that's not who he is. He kept going on and on about something else. He kept going on and on about eternal life. You see, eternal life is different from bios, natural life. There's actually another Greek word that John uses to tell us about eternal life. It's zoe, zoe life. Constantly in John's gospel, people are confusing the two. They get mixed up. They ask for more bios life. And Jesus responds by offering zoe life. Maybe you've read the story of the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. She's sitting at a well and talking with Jesus. Jesus tells her he has living water to give her that never runs dry. She says, give me this water so I don't have to come back to this well anymore. She's thinking about natural bios life. But Jesus is offering her eternal zoe life. Zoe life is transcendent life that flows out of God's very being as a gift. Zoe life is life that begins now, right now, today even. But it doesn't stop when your heart stops beating. Zoe life is abundant life, like loaves overflowing from baskets. There's plenty to go around. It's life that's deep and colorful, full of purpose, beauty, and truth. It's real life that includes the goodness and beauty of the gifts of creation and orients them to their ultimate end, to God's eternal kingdom. There's two types of bread and two types of life. Physical bread sustains bios life. What is the bread that sustains this zoe, eternal life? Well, Jesus reveals the mystery. I am the bread of life. Me, I sustain eternal life, he says. You see, Jesus gives out loaves to sustain bios life, to fill hungry stomachs. But he does not give out the bread of eternal life. He's not a sage that dispenses the right knowledge for us to reach the highest form of potential. He doesn't whisper secrets in our ears to teach us how to get to true happiness. 
And he certainly doesn't try to answer all of our hardest questions. Sometimes I wish he did. He doesn't give out the bread of eternal life. Jesus is the bread of eternal life. And only when we eat this bread and are consumed by the very life of Jesus do we enter in and find this Zoe eternal life. When Jesus was teaching this in a Galilean synagogue, to everyone's shock and awe, this is exactly where he takes the metaphor. He pushes it all the way to its end, to an unbelievable end, even a disturbing end. Look at verses 48 to 52 with me. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. Physical bread. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. What? What do you mean? We're meant to eat you, Jesus. Is he advocating cannibalism here? No, he's not advocating cannibalism. He's pushing the metaphor all the way to a brutal end because his own bios life will be pushed to a brutal end, to a cross. He's saying the bread of life must die in order to give his eternal life to the world. But what, is it, what does it mean to eat his flesh? Well, it helps to compare two verses. Look at verses 40 and 54 with me. Verse 40 says, Everyone who looks on the Son of Man and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And verse 54 is very similar. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Looking and believing parallels feeding and drinking. When you chew, swallow, and digest bread, what happens? Well, carbohydrates are broken down into sugars in your stomach and digestive system. And these sugars are absorbed in the bloodstream and they move throughout your body to nourish and to strengthen your cells and give you energy. Looking upon Jesus in faith and trusting him with your life is as transformative for, for our souls as eating bread is for our bodies. That's the point. Bread, when eaten, becomes materially a part of you, physically a part of you. And Jesus' own life, his own Zoe life, through the Holy Spirit, becomes a part of you as you look to him and trust in him. His life becomes your life. Zoe life begins to run through your veins, and in this way, you will never die.
the metaphor also shows us that we need Jesus for spiritual vitality as regularly as we need bread for physical vitality. The verbs John uses in, in 635 are habitual verbs, ongoing verbs. We should hear the passage this way. Whoever is coming to me shall not hunger. Whoever is believing in me shall not thirst. Now, don't get confused. Saving faith that opens up eternal life is a gift, and it doesn't depart from you. But there's a reason Jesus compares faith and trust in him to a staple food humans require every day and something we must do every day to survive. We must continue to return to Christ, continue moving towards Christ, continue consuming his life by the Spirit in order to be fed. Because Jesus spiritually sustains all who come to him unto eternal life. But what happens when Jesus speaks these words? What's the result? What effect does it cause? If you believe in Jesus and take him at his word, what difference does it make? If you don't believe in Jesus, what difference could it make if it were true? If he really is the bread of life? Let's consider that. Well, as we've seen, Jesus has told us, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Sounds pretty amazing, doesn't it? Never ever hunger again? Never ever thirst again? Spiritually speaking, really? Well, what does this mean? It means that Jesus is the essential diet for eternal life. The one who comes to him, who believes in him, will absolutely, certainly, in no manner be deprived of eternal life. Not today and not into eternity. It's impossible. But again, don't get confused. Entering into eternal life doesn't mean that all your problems vanish. It doesn't mean that you'll never get sick. It doesn't mean that you'll never have doubts or that all of your anxiety will immediately vanish. It's not a magic bullet. Jesus is not a magician. It's not emotional catharsis. It's different than a therapeutic intervention. If you're looking to Jesus for these things, you're sort of like the people Jesus addresses in verse 25. You're looking for me because you ate your fill of the barley loaves out in the wilderness. You're focused on the wrong kind of bread, not the kind that Jesus is particularly offering. Instead, what this does mean is that you'll be in relationship forever with the God who John tells us at the beginning of his gospel is full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Eternal life means you are known by and you're learning to know a God who is full of grace and truth. Have you tasted grace before? It's being loved when you're unlovable. It's being accepted when you're in the wrong. It's being adopted into an eternal family that you don't deserve a place in. It's not fair. It's love that knows no ends. A criminal was executed beside Jesus. As he died, the man cried out, Remember me 
Jesus, remember me. May it just cross your mind, may an inkling of my existence enter your mind when you go into your kingdom. A defeated, hopeless man crying out for help. Jesus' response is grace. Oh, I'll remember you all right. Not only will I remember you, but today, even today, you will be with me in paradise. You, you hopeless, defeated man, dying a death of shame, will be with me in paradise. That's grace. Truth. A few years ago, a man I knew through Alpha, not a Christian, told me he'd been reading the Gospel of Mark during our Alpha course. He said he kept reading it because to him, it had the ring of truth. He couldn't put his finger on it, but something rung true. Entering into Jesus's eternal life means opening ourselves like a book to be examined and laid bare before a God whose love pushes into the places we'd rather hide. A God who calls us into a life of holiness that doesn't fit with this world. Receiving the bread of life is not comfortable or easy. Removing our self-delusions and admitting our sin never is. But for those who are being called and drawn to Jesus, nothing short of eternal life will do. No delusion will do. No cheap fix will do. Because it has the concrete vividness of real truth shared with the generous embrace of grace. Nothing short of eternal life will do. When Jesus spoke these words in the Galilean synagogue, everyone was bewildered. No one got it. No one got what he was talking about. The Jews were shocked and confused. Verse 52, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Still thinking about physical bread. But Jesus' disciples were also hard-pressed. Verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? When Jesus spoke these bold words, he forced each and every hearer to ask themselves, do I believe Jesus? Do I trust him? Do I believe he is who he says he is or not? Let's look how the story ends together in verses 66 to 71. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that, that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus asks, do you want to leave me too? And he asks me the same question. He asks you the same question. Notice his greatest concern isn't whether or not his listeners and his disciples understood everything. Peter, speaking on behalf of the other faithful disciples, 
clearly does not understand everything Jesus is talking about. But it doesn't matter because Peter has tasted the bread of life and he knows there's nowhere else to go. He doesn't quite get it all, but he knows Jesus is the only place that he can find eternal life. Lord, you have the words of eternal life. We have believed and come to know that you are the Holy Holy One of God. He's tasted grace and truth from Jesus. Nothing will compare. I've tasted it too. It's the experience of being fully known to the depth of your being, even who you are at your very worst and fully loved right in that place. That's what it tastes like. And this may sound crazy. I get that. Or it may have the ring of truth to you. But Jesus is the bread of life. Whoever comes to him will not hunger. And whoever believes in him will not thirst. Whether you believe or not, keep coming. Keep coming. Keep asking. Keep looking to Jesus. He has the words of eternal life. Let's pray together. Jesus Christ, you are the bread of life. We thank you for the gift of life with you, the gift of eternal life, the gift of knowing you and living in relationship with you. I pray, God, that you will come now to all of us listening today, all of us meditating on this passage today, and will you reveal yourself afresh, whether we've been walking with you for a long time and, and need a fresh taste of your grace and truth, or whether we've never experienced this before. Reveal yourself today, Jesus. Make it clear, make it plain, that you are the bread of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.